I'm the Rhythm Writer, and this is For Posterity. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, The Rhythm Writer, and this is For Posterity. I am finishing up my conversation with Jamaican mixed media artist, I, Nancy, and I can't wait to let you hear this one. Now, you might recall some of the chapter sneak peeks that we had in part one where we were taken into the space of Hope Road on that fateful night when gunmen entered to attempt to assassinate Bob Marley. And you might recall learning much more about I, Nancy's family history and that powerful circle of women that she calls the Jaguars. And perhaps you have decided that you too might start writing newsletters and keeping your loved ones close to you in those really special ways that I, Nancy talked about. Well, when you listen to this one, Maybe you'll also be further pushed, maybe to to express your creativity a bit more, maybe dip into your artistic bag, if you will. And maybe you'll be pushed to be free, to really free yourself to love and to love fiercely. Now, one of I, Nancy's deep loves was for a man that you might know, you might have heard of before. His name is Arthur Ashe. And he was the first African-American man to win the men's singles title at the U.S. Open in 1968. And the first African-American man to win the Australian Open in 1970 and Wimbledon in 1975. When you listen to this chat, you'll learn about a love that was sparked on the tennis courts of St. Andrew Club in Kingston, Jamaica, in 1966. It's a beautiful story, I tell you. And you'll also hear Inancy talk of her time as an art student in Europe, her time modeling, her time being stuck in Costa Rica, and her ultimate return to Jamaica as a mixed media artist, as a photographer, as a painter, and as a newcomer to the NFT world. And importantly, as a Caribbean artist, Inancy's closing statements in this conversation here She discusses some of the difficulties of engaging in crypto from our part of the world because local financial bureaucracy is not easy at all. Now, despite the difficulties, when you hear Inancy talk, you hear the love. You hear that she has loved fiercely and lived expressively. I, for one, I'm drawn to I, Nancy, and I am in awe of how she has been able to balance doomsday anxieties. And I'm talking from the Cold War right through to American civil rights, apartheid in South Africa, and today's pandemic invasions. And her intoxicating commitment to living life fully and joyfully in painted colors, vibrant electric guitars and bass drums and in rich, meaningful expression, it's it's contagious. Inancy is a true Jaguar woman, and her story can be heard here. 
And I promise you, there is so much more written in her memoir. Explore iNancy's digitized pieces now. They are up as NFTs on the open sea. The link is in the summary for this episode. Just search the Indigo Tribe on the open sea and you'll find it. This June 2022, you can also find iNancy's work on display at a location to be announced for the 50th anniversary of the Perry Henzel film, that cult classic hit, The Harder They Come. And if you want to get in touch with iNancy, hit her up on Facebook. She's currently building out iNancy Land. It's a digital platform for all things iNancy. And when that's ready, she'll be letting you know. There'll be more to come. There's so much more to come. So for now, this is iNancy talking with me. And she's talking for posterity. I encountered Arthur, oh my goodness, when I was still in high school. I was 17. Oh. And he came here on the, on the Davis Cup team to play the Caribbean, which was hmm. Richard Russell and I can't remember who else. And it was a team of them from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he was the singles player. I had never seen or heard of him before. And my oh. family is sort of tennis uh, as a family sport, you know, right. they, they love tennis. But I didn't know anything about Arthur until I saw him. And when I saw him, it really impacted me. And you're like, I would like to play tennis. Yes. More and more. More and more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that first match that I watched, it really was, I mean, it was hard to sit still. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I went off and just thought, my goodness, he struck me like lightning, honestly. You know, so I go after school and I'm like, I have to find out who is this person. Right. What do you mean struck you like lightning? No, no. Meaning his... um, Presence? Yes. Strength? Yeah, everything. The way he played, the way he looked, everything about him. Mm -hmm. He just embodied something for me. I don't know what. Did you get to speak to him? Ah, yes. Well, of course, I wasn't going to just melt into the... (laughs) (laughs) I was very shy, extremely Mm -hmm. shy, but determined. Mm. And this is like a three-day tournament or something, so that was the first day. Second day, okay, now I know I'm here to see this person. And, yeah, I went up by the locker room. Friend, My friend Maxine, who was bouncing by, just turned around and said, Nancy, Arthur, Arthur, Nancy, because she knew mm-hmm. that what I was going through. And we started talking, and he asked me if I was going to be at the after party. Oh. And I didn't know anything about the after party. <laughs> school girl. <laughs> right. Oh my god. But I, 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 you know, said, okay, sure. And I got my, two of my great friends together, you know, from other schools and we got a car, we got a parent's car, a VW bug. And we took off to, we found out it was in Beverly Hills and we went to Beverly Hills and found the house. Right. But we didn't have the nerve to go in. No. So we waited outside, you know, in the car. And then we saw the bus leaving, and we decided to follow the bus down halfway tree to How the Flamingo Hotel. How long did you Hotel. wait outside? Well, you know, it was late in the evening. I guess this wound up, this would have been on after the match okay. kind of thing. I mm-hmm. suppose it was the end, you mm-hmm. know, at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, probably was dinner and drinks and all of that. Mm-hmm. So we followed them back to the hotel, the Flamingo Hotel on halfway tree road. Mm-hmm. And parked the car, slinked in there, trying to look 
Um, adult. Yes, adult <laughs> and not too conspicuous. Right. But of course, ridiculous we get around there and it's just a table of tennis players with two girls <laughs> from my high school, two sixth formers. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who I, of course, recognized and it was so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was excruciating. But he was so nice, you know. He was lovely. He said, come sit with us, whatever. Child How old was he? Well, uh, he was 22. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, 22? But he was already a right. smooth, a mature oh guy gosh, yeah. to me. And then it just went from there. So nothing much happened that night. Mm-hmm. But then two years later, I moved to New York, to uh, London, sorry, mm-hmm. to go to art school. And um, a friend came by with this this magazine, tennis, mm-hmm. unders, sports, whatever it is. And I saw the cover. He had just gotten his autograph. And I saw the cover picture and I was off again. <laughs> right. Where is he? Hammersmith. Okay, I'm coming. <laughs> had you maintained contact with him? Yeah, well, in the no, three no, years? no, no, not at okay. all. But um, I went and, you know, uh, followed it up, went to the tennis tournament. He wasn't there. I met his manager, got the phone number, mm-hmm. hotel, room number, called up. Reintroduce myself. You were much braver than you were before. Uh, listen, it took me days to oh. get to that point. It, it wasn't something I just went home and did. I had to sleep on it and right. work myself up. In, no, I wasn't brave at all, but I really wanted mm. this guy. That's all yeah. I can say. I was driven by passion. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, I called him and he was as cool as, you know, cool. I invited him to a party at our flat and he came mm-hmm. on his own. And then... Um, it was a good evening, getting to know each other. When right. he left, it was sweet. Little kiss. Don't cut your hair till I see you again. Type thing. Don't and cut he your took hair till I see you And I didn't have again. any idea when and if I would ever see your hair from again. And two days later, I got a telegram inviting me to Paris. And so that's how it, that's how it began. Oh, my goodness. For about eight or ten years. I was going to say, but that like was that. a long time. Yeah, it was quite a long it was a long span. But of course, he's never around right. all the time. So know? how long did you have with him at any moment? Like no, not long. Days? Just days? <laughs> days, yeah. Week, Just days. Week here, week there, yeah. All yeah. around the world? No, no, mostly Germany, okay. England, um, Jamaica, and New York. Mm. But, you know, he was on a circuit 50, year, 50 weeks of the year. Right. They're on a circuit. And I guess that made things always difficult. going somewhere. You know, there was South Africa, Australia, right. all these Vietnam, there were, so I would just get postcards and little letters. He wasn't into any big long letters, but he'd keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Nobody phoned in those days. There were right. no texts. Right. There was no sending photos of what you were doing. Right. None of that existed. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! But you, but you still felt connected the whole time. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, I um, I was following him, whether mm-hmm. he was following me or not. This is long before Facebook and right. IG. I was definitely following him through right. newspapers. Through the newspapers. And, mm-hmm. Oh we didn't even have television. It was all through newspapers. Hmm. And I'm looking here at the some of the clippings. Yes. Um, so these would have been the ones that you kept yeah. from that time of, yeah. of seeing where he was and what yeah. he's doing. And then you would talk again. Exactly. You'd say, I saw how that and went. And during that time, I guess, well, I think he, I'm trying to think, the U.S. Open, I don't remember the years. Mm-hmm. But of course, I was an art student right. during all of this. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Germany. But he used to come to Germany also. Mm-hmm. So when he'd come to Germany, we'd, we'd connect. Right. And um, gosh, if I'd only known how everything would turn out, I guess we'd have taken more photos, huh? Hmm. It's have so little in the way of photographs. Not a few together. <laughs> couple. Hmm. A couple. I didn't 
Well, he take pictures of me. He took pictures of me, but we didn't take them together, together. so much. Right. But another photographer did, and I have a couple. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I do have a couple. What was, what, what's one of the, I don't know, more sentimental memories you have of him? Hmm. <laughs> it's all in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this book. This book. Right. <laughs> well, what are appetites? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I can't think. Oh, the biggest thing we ever did together. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. How could I forget? In Paris, mm -hmm. we were invited to Thanksgiving Day lunch mm -hmm. at the U.S. Embassy residence. And the ambassador was um, Sergeant Shriver. Mm -hmm. Ambassador Sergeant Shriver was the host. Arthur was like the most favored guest. I was his guest. So yeah, that was my first feast in life. What did you wear? Aha! Aha! <laughs> I actually remember. Okay, good. It was a blue coat dress made by my Aunt May. Really? Yes. And so did you have to get it flown in? This was, no! You had it already. Yes, yeah, what I had. It's what she had made for me to go away to art school. It was like my best dress. Oh my god! It's probably what I arrived in Paris in. It's probably what I wore most of the time because it was an actual dress. dress. Right, yes. right. And you said what color? But it was blue, like a turquoise. A turquoise blue. Yes, dress. and I bought a coat to make the trip. I bought a winter coat, my mm -hmm. first winter coat, mm -hmm. to make that move to Paris. Thank mm -hmm. God, yes. having no clue <laughs> that I was going to end up at the. U.S. Embassy. Oh, my goodness. And it was just a fantastic mm -hmm. um, day. Mm -hmm. I met Maurice Chevalier, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and Eunice Schreiber and obviously the ambassador. Right. He was head of the Peace Corps, if you remember. So he was all about Jamaica and the Peace Corps. Right, right, right. And talking about that. That that's was our connection. And I got him to, I got Arthur to take a picture of me with, with Sarge, mm -hmm. but I never got anybody to take a picture, picture of me with together. Arthur. Oh my goodness. Unfortunately. Oh. So he was the one with the camera. He took the pictures, but mm -hmm. no, I don't have them. So what did it feel like though, to be with someone, um, a big sports star celebrity yeah well, what was it was nice like? i mean you know i was just a nervous young girl yeah but i adored him so it was okay <laughs> and you said he came to jamaica i was wearing his gloves and, oh. you know being looked after nicely went to the crazy horse salon, which was great mm -hmm. saw the shows yeah wonderful french shows it was a it was a super experience yeah. I have to say, the head of the um, the French Tennis Association treated me like an absolute princess because mm -hmm. I was the only woman in the group. You know, it was like five or six players, mm -hmm. Arthur, his, his manager, um, the compadres, and me. <laughs> right. Huh. Well, did that ever feel uncomfortable, though? I mean, you said you no, were treated like a princess. No, okay. tennis players, wonderful. Right. No, I love them, especially the Australians. Mm -hmm. and, oh, they played golf a lot. So mm -hmm. I would carry for them when they played golf. Okay. If you could imagine, I'd wear like Rodley with shoes and oh Emma's socks and Arthur's jacket. Because I, I didn't have a wardrobe for golf. Right. <laughs> golf wasn't really on my agenda, but this they like ball unreal. games and they're competitive. And right, That's what right. they would do when they were breaking. And they have beautiful golf courses in Germany. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. And did, so. did you meet his family? His dad. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had dinner in New York with his father, mm -hmm. Arthur Ross Sr., mm -hmm. Uh, which is how he inherited, you know, the bad heart, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Huh. And did your family meet him? 
No. Well, my sister Virginia met him in LA. She was a student there when he came through one time, and she just basically introduced herself as my sister. Right. That was, and that was that was that, that, that was, was pretty it. much that was it. it. <laughs> it was just a casual right. crossing. And then how I guess did it come to an end? The well, he met someone and married them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But no, he was my. I considered him my first love. Your first love. That's a big first Absolutely. love. Absolutely. It was a big first love. Whew. And it eight was. years too. Eight ten years yeah. is a long time. Yeah. Stretch yeah. over time. Yeah. So he's like a brother too, you know. Mm-hmm. Brother, a friend, lover. Yeah. Yeah. And did he take this picture? No. Okay. No, that was a. Uh, that was in the Stars and Stripes, the newspaper for the U.S. forces okay. abroad. So okay. that was like the. Um, <laughs> you were the eye Not candy. Enough, but yeah, yeah, yes. for, the, for the day or the week or whatever. Wow. I don't remember. But then, <laughs> in a dashiki with, yeah, a, exactly. a nice with afro, my big afro, with my these lovely afro. hoop earrings, right. and I guess bell bottoms, and well, all the that jewelry. Was for the black tea eyes. <laughs> this is beautiful. I hope you still have this top. Girl. Oh, no, 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 not at all. But I have the photos in the living room mm-hmm. that are blown up mm-hmm. were taken from this. Okay. Oh my god. He was goodness. a Hungarian photographer, if I remember. So okay. he shot, he uh, introduced my photo right. to the right. Stars and Stripes. Well, that is one sweet story. Um, an eight year first love <laughs> of Arthur Ashe. Yes, understood. Now. Well, I can only say he's, he, he was special. Of course. Special as all hell. Of course. There really are no two like him. Mm. But unfortunately, he sort of set the template for me. Mm. <laughs> mm. And it's really kind of. Uh, a hard high to bar. Follow. It's a, a very bar? high bar. It's a very high bar because he, he's an intellectual. He wasn't just a sportsman. He's a fabulous sportsman, but he also thought everything out very carefully. He knew everything. He followed history. He read a lot. He meditated. He didn't. Um, he never got messed up. Right. <laughs> right. Ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a cool character. Hmm. He loved music, and um, hmm. it's a Cancerian so. That's but obviously have. private, hard to crack. <laughs> right, right. So it was a long time before you fell in love again. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you... Well, <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, yes and no. No, my, my actual... The, more or less in the same time zone, hmm. I met an older man. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a student, and he he was a brother of my flatmate, actually twin okay. brother. Okay. But he was oh, quite okay. a bit older. He was Jamaican, mm. coming and over where from. where were you? In London. Okay. But he was coming from America. He was coming from Washington D.C. Um, as a corporate and type figure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the complete opposite. Right. In other words, a man in a suit, right. an older man in a suit. Right. So it was the absolute total antithesis. <laughs> so what drew you to him? Charisma, mm. intelligence. Usually it's intelligence. That's right. the biggest draw for me. Mm-hmm. He had an incredible mind. Very, very smart. Very clear. He was a Howard graduate. Okay. J.C. and Howard. Mm-hmm. And um, been in America a long time. And just was incredibly, thoroughly knowledgeable. Mm. You know? Who could speak with authority on almost anything. Because he read. And he retained. Right. And he was really articulate. So, same kind of vein, right. but not sporty, not tall, not 
not lanky, you know. Right. Young. <laughs> <laughs> but he had the mind. He had the mind. Yes, yeah. And he had this energy of loving to dance and, mm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. dance and move around. And it was nice. Whatever. He was 20 years older. But wow. hanging out with him taught me a lot. Taught me lots. Like what? Everything. Everything. Here I was, I mean, going to the art school. Right. What was everyone into, really? I mean, they were grungy lot, you know, just all buying and going to the pub and whatever. <laughs> and um, SK's friends were, um, they were students going, they were doing like Sorbonne and LSE. Okay. And they, were doing, they were graduate students and right. they were doing politics and academic stuff. Mm-hmm. And hanging out with them. Um, again, Jamaican American and coming from America, you know the usual coming mm-hmm. to Europe, mm-hmm. and hanging out with them was extraordinary because their friends were from all over the world, and it was all about Pol Pot and you know it was Cambodia and Eritrea and Vietnam and all about America and the civil rights and the wars and oh my God, it was an entire education hanging out with these people. I didn't speak in those days. Hmm. I didn't speak at all. Just listen. I drank Coca Cola and sat in the car and smoked right. here. <laughs> <laughs> they were drinking, you know, Johnny Walker, you right. know, Scotch, and they were like. Did you feel out of place? I felt, well, you know, I was a junior member of the gang. Okay. So I was the little girl. I was a co-star. He mm. called me co-star. Hmm. And this was all operating while I was. He knew all about Arthur, of course. Oh, this is simultaneous. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I'm here thinking this is after. Well, this is just after eight years. No, it's well, sort you know, of during. You know, he between. was away a lot. He was away a lot. <laughs> he was away a lot. We weren't exclusive. Right. Um, I'm sure he met other people, whatever. But this man loved me. Yeah. He loved me a lot, hmm. and it was very supportive, mm-hmm. and it was you know comfortable and so on, so on, mm-hmm. until I decided to move on. Mm-hmm. Because marriage was the was the alternative, and I, okay. I I couldn't marry anyone. Certainly not while Arthur was single. <laughs> okay, okay. So this man wanted to marry you, <laughs> yes. and Arthur was still holding on Number to your one. heart. Yeah, right. Number so one. that had to end. Yeah. Okay. And then we stayed friends. But Eske and I stayed friends for life until mm. he died. Yeah. In his eighties. Wow. No, we were best friends forever. So you saying, Arthur died a lot younger, you know. Right. So I still had my co-star mm-hmm. to the end. So you're saying, were you saying that? So if, the younger man died long before the older you, man. You see how that goes. You see right. how that goes. But if Arthur had asked you to be his wife, you think you would have said yes? Oh, I'm sure I'd have said yes, but I'm not sure it would have worked. Mm. It was better as it was. Yeah, I mean, or it worked. I, I'm not really worked. sure. Yes, it worked the way it was. But I mean, he he's a lot more reserved mm-hmm. than I was. Mm. I'm a little uh, more on the wild side, mm-hmm. and um, and and he was very um, what do you call tightly wrapped, okay. not emotional. Mm-hmm. And I, in those days, was extremely emotional mm. person. Mm. <laughs> My emotions were all over the place. I okay. could laugh and cry in the same, you know. Breath. Right. Our conversation then shifts away from romantic love and towards a love of art through fashion and design. What specific art were you studying? In the beginning, it was fashion and textile design. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had gone there to be a fine artist, but I didn't make it into the fine art department. And I was literally grabbed by the fashion school. Okay. They said, we will (laughs) not let this one go. Yeah. We will not let her go. Caribbean, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I was one of the few Caribbean people in this entire 
art school. Wow. It was, there was a, a, a Trinidadian tutor who became quite famous in, in fabric design, okay. Althea McNeish. And she lived up into her 95. She just died recently. Wow. And she turned the whole thing over in England in terms of style for color because she brought that whole tunic color. Hmm. Because when I went to England first, the two main colors were taupe and mauve. Post-war mm-hmm. England, you know, it was still very war, like gloomy when I went there. Right. And it all exploded while I was in London. Hmm. It exploded. And when was this? In the 19... 19- the mid-60s. Colors were invented. Colors were invented. Pink, lime green, purple. All these colors that you didn't have before. Mm. And they were all being applied to clothing. Mm. And the black and white. And the mod. We had the right. mod style. Right. We had the baby doll. We had the... Then we had the hippies. Flower children. Flower children first. Mm-hmm. All coming from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Right? So that whole era floated right over to London. Got picked up by the students and designers and young people. Mm-hmm. They started to have boutiques like Beaver and makeup from Mary Quant and everything was going on because mm-hmm. we had, everyone started to grow hair and beards and everybody came a hippie. Right. <laughs> Which was great. If mm-hmm. I can throw it back into Arthur's era. Yeah. When I would go to see him in, like for example, mm-hmm. to go to the Gulf in Germany. <laughs> mm-hmm. My coat then, because I remember because I loved it so much, was mm-hmm. a French coat that was cut so tight mm. and narrow and it was a brown leather trench coat. Oh, that sounds great. So it had this big collar and zips and, and um, pockets Ooh. and a belt. Ooh. And it was like a chocolate brown, chocolate colored leather. That's God, it was beautiful. So Suede boots. Of course. Of course. Lots of fringe. Yes. Length I was always into caps. Cinching the caps, waist. Caps. Mm. Very much a cap and hat. Bro. Okay. Always. Yeah. I like headgear. 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 Even to this world, I wouldn't wear my hair. I wore this beautiful silk batik fringe mm-hmm. scarf mm-hmm. in the pattern. I had to make up the outfit because I didn't really bring anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you just invent. pull some things together yeah, and it's just... an outfit. It's amazing what can become an outfit. Oh, though, yeah. Right? In my short and heels. Yes. <laughs> As if to say I wasn't tall enough already. <laughs> so by the time I got to the Albert Hall, I must have been 6'1". Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> You're taking up lots of space there at 6'1". Did you dance with Arthur Ashe? Hmm. Do you have any musical memories with him? You know, the first time he came over to our host party, we did dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. He had rhythm, yeah? He, he wasn't there. Yeah, right. <laughs> wait, wait, okay. <laughs> That's so funny. Poor Arthur, he's so conservative. What would happen is that I would like dance on the sidewalks. Okay. You know, which for him was like a little strange. Oh my God, I you know, I'd be walking this. through Piccadilly Circus, I hear music, and I start, I start going like this. Yes, yes. And maybe he wouldn't do that. No. You know? But he loved that you did it. Yeah, but I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I think he thought I was a little out there. Well, you are. A little bit. But, and that's where you should be, is out there. But no musical memories coming to mind. Um, huh. Dancing. Oh, Hippopotamus in New York, yes. What's that? It was a nightclub in New York. I think it was a Hippopotamus, yeah. It was a popular at the time. Okay. When Because he, he lived in New York. That was his base. Of course, he was never there. But, yeah, I went to his apartment there. Mm-hmm. And we went dancing. Okay. Um, it was a disco of, at the time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but don't ask me which year that was. <laughs> Where shall we go now? Okay, so you, you were starting off doing textile. You're plucked 
into the textile and fabrics, but I'm in your and home fashion. and fashion, fashion design, yeah. right? And I'm in your home now. And while you are beautifully dressed and adorned, I'm seeing, you know, paintings. Yes, I'm seeing <laughs> paintings. I'm seeing collage. I'm seeing, um, you know, repurposed items. You were telling me about neighbors knowing that this is where they ought to drop off their cardboard for you to repurpose into beautiful art. I'm looking at a piece that will be a part of the 50th anniversary of The Harder They Come, Perry Henzel. I'm looking to my right and I'm seeing uh, a collection of three the, pieces. The, the Indigo Tribe. The Indigo Tribe that are currently on the open sea. Yeah. Right? NFTs. That people can ex explore and purchase as NFTs and own and buy in and trade and invest and. Hopefully. <laughs> all, well, they will. I mean, you know, for the record, I do have dibs on... Uh, coffee being queen. On coffee being queen. But tell me, how do you get then from being plucked into the fashion and textiles into what I'm seeing and experiencing in your home right now? Oh, my goodness. Isis, there is so much time. I know. Between <laughs> what I talked about before oh. was mid-60s London. Oh, my God. In New York... We started Art Beach and did all the accessory business yes. with Bendel and Macy's and across the country and the Village Voice. And it was fantastic. Right. Didn't make money. But, right. wow, what a ride, you know. How we had beautiful. fashion shows and uh, nightclubs and, you know, it, it was just fantastic. But how beautiful it is to make art for art's sake. <laughs> well, I can't think of why else <laughs> or right. what else. I right. don't know. And... Um, and, um, and then jumping through all of that, I didn't do any fine art mm. in my Air Jamaica years. In my, I traveled a lot. And when I were the Air travel. Jamaica years? I traveled. Mm -hmm. When I say that, five years spent on Air Jamaica. It was that 70 to 75? What that was, was that? Um, good question, 74 to 79. Okay. And you were just in the air the whole time? Because I literally landed here with no plan. And they were recru recruiting that summer because they were short-staffed. Mm. And I was just here. And a very good friend of mine, Maxine Walters, was a PR oh, officer. Okay. Got it. You know, we had grown up together as yeah. teenagers. And um, she was working there. I heard they were recruiting. I went and applied. I got in. And I walked my way to London and Frankfurt many, many times because mm -hmm. that was my route, okay. London, Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kingston, Moby, London, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, London, Moby, Kingston. Wow. For five like, years. For well, four times a month, mm -hmm. pretty much, like mm -hmm. every weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, you would do three turnarounds and then you get a five day layover in London. I had friends there. Okay. So, of course, I would extend my social life and right. everything else. Wow. Up in the air. And because um, that was in the time of austerity in Jamaica, it was a very tough time mm. those days. And flight attendants were kind of a, in an exalted bunch of people who were, could actually leave the country. Hmm. And who were actually paid expenses. We got our meal expenses in mm -hmm. US dollars. Hmm. And I just tried to accumulate those. A lot of people spent that money on jewelry and shoes and stuff. But I saved mine and moved to New York. Hmm. <laughs> and so I financed myself to move to New York. My life moves you along and then you kind of expand. You know, not having anyone really taking care of me or being a partner meant that I kind of had to just expand myself. Hmm. You know, against all my... Natural instincts. Right, right. <laughs> Which are two. My natural instincts, I have one natural instinct. It's called escape. Is it? Escape. Escape. You flee, you run. I run. Escape meaning I don't like um, restrictions, okay. pressure, 
conflict? Mundane stuff, conflicts, confrontations. I'm a fish. Hmm. If you just look at me wrong, I'll just go that You'll just swim away. Yeah, I just swim away because I don't really want to deal with this. It's also procrastination, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is procrastination, and I still practice procrastination very well. Mm-hmm. It's one of my big <laughs> I, I know It's one of my gifts. That. It's a gift. <laughs> yes, but I realize that it's also part of that um, fish mentality to escape, hmm. just not to be caught. Just hmm. don't get caught. Well, what's wrong with being caught? Eee! <laughs> <laughs> Cookie, I need you! <laughs> oh if ever there were an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with being caught? Freedom. Wow. Free flow is the philosophy. Free yes. flow. Yes. No, I would love to free flow with someone. Don't get me wrong. Okay. If they're flowing my way. <laughs> right. Right. And if they'll change directions when you're ready oh. to change directions, too. Huh. So you're flying so that you can happening. model, essentially, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm okay. flying so that I can get out of Jamaica, essentially. Why didn't you want to be here? Not at all. Why? In those days, it felt really small. Oh, this is the restrictive, restrictive mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of it. Um, claustrophobia. <laughs> hmm. I just couldn't see myself being what I am right now, a mm-hmm. Kingston suburbanite. Mm-hmm. This, for me, in those days, no. Right. In other words, okay, I was living on Hope Road and living at Maryfield and, you know, in Midtown Kingston. Mm-hmm. But for me, life was like, you get on the plane, you get out. Mm-hmm. Now you're in London, now you're in wherever. Even so Frankfurt were... Airport, any damn place. Wow. But you were dreaming of this. From when? Of, no, of... not dreaming of it. Okay. It's just action. I don't dream of anything. I don't even dream. Okay, how about this? When you were in high school, where did you go to high school? St. Andrew High. Okay, my daughter is there now. I'm so excited <laughs> for this. Okay, so Great. when you're in high school... What are you thinking is at the end of high school? Oh, God, did I think about it? Okay, you're just trying to get through exams. <laughs> you were just trying to get through the day. Yeah. One yeah. day at a time. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, good yeah. for you and being I present and grounded. No, no, I just had no ambition. <laughs> none. None. I mean, I had no clue. I was just clueless. So why were you Maybe in high school? Because that's what you do after High school like, primary? is a social life for me. Okay. My friends are there. We can chat. We can eat at the talk shop. We can Good for bullshit. You. We can miss prayers. I duck from prayers. I'm hiding from religious classes. I'm... I just uh, was there because I was dropped off there every day, and that's where they said I had to go. And they were going to pick you up at the end. But but for me, life was all about uh, much more about going to the beach, looking at boys, going to movies. Escapism, escapism, escapism. I didn't even do homework. And my parents were good parents. I cannot blame them. <laughs> I lied my way through school. Ooh, and you think though? Kind of like I just... I just it was there, but you know, yeah. I was a daydreamer. Mm. I just daydreamed. I was just wanted to paint and paint and ride my bicycle and you know, mm. go to the beach. Well, I'm a you're beach there bum. now. I'm basically a dropout. I'm just basically a dropout. But you graduated in yeah. a way. Yeah, in a way. They moved you along. I moved along to um, fifth form and took my GCs. Did lower sixth. Mm-hmm. Got out of school. Went to art school. Mm-hmm. Dropped out of art school. Why? Why? You didn't need psychological. it. Psychological. Yeah, psychological. I just wasn't mentally fit enough to deal with the cold. Oh. And the cold and the cold mm. and the gray. And the, I just was a depressive. I was the melancholy. Mm. I just thought the world would end because of nuclear. I didn't think we would last this long. I, was, I think I always just felt like a misfit. 
Mm. Like probably a lot of artists do. So it's not that you were yearning to come back to Jamaica. You just didn't no. feel at, at home there either. I, I was at home enough. I'm glad mm -hmm. I went. I don't have any regrets. Mm -hmm. But when it came to doing the fourth year, mm -hmm. I just didn't go in on the day I should have gone in. And it's a four-year program? Yeah. Okay. So I did the three years, and then the beginning of the fourth year, I just didn't go in and register. When I didn't go the first day, I should have gone the second day, but I didn't go the second day either. I can't tell you no why. What did you do instead of going? I stayed home it? until I couldn't go anymore. Mm. I stayed home until it didn't make sense to go because it was too late. Mm. I stayed home for a week, so it was too late. You let time run out. I let time run out on me. I with no plan. Yeah. Because I was emotionally... Not unstable, but I wasn't really grounded. Like I was, um, I was more caught up in my feelings than I was in what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So even though it was all there for me to do, mm -hmm. I didn't have the drive or the inclination mm -hmm. or the clarity. Mm. You know, something was not, something was missing. And you realized the world was ending anyway, so. Yes. I did think the world was ending, okay. so I thought it was all pointless. So what was this your... was a very big part of it. Right. Because in those days, that whole Cold War, right. the nuclear situation, was such that I expected it all to blow up right. pretty much any minute. No. Mm. What's the point of having children? What's the point of getting a degree? What's the point of having a job? What's the point of anything? It's right. ending. I feel that way today. I was going to I ask feel you that. that. Like, it brings me bizarre. bizarre. Does it hurt? Does it feel strange to know that we are right now in this time where, you know, Russia, Ukraine, I mean, you, what do you feel like as exactly. we sit here? Exactly. I mean, I at any given moment, someone could push a button. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been like that my entire life. Right. And I felt it very keenly back then, mm. really keenly, or when we had our riots. Because what happened at the end of my third year is that we had all those um, uprisings everywhere. Mm -hmm. There were uprisings in America for the civil rights. So this is the late 60s? Yes. Mm -hmm. We had the same uprisings in London for student rights and our rights. And in, in school, Jamaica. And in everywhere. The whole thing, Paris. Right, right. We got in Paris. Your whole world was uprising. Everything was uprising. So I didn't see any point hmm. in this. Well, you want me to come in and do this, whatever. How did you feel about independence? Jamaica's independence, 1962. Did it mean anything to you? Well, sure. I mean, it was a big time. I was 13. <laughs> it was a big time. <laughs> I was 13. So we had been British till that point. I don't remember really being British, but I remember the changeover and... We the did it and as a family, and mm -hmm. yeah, we went up Beverly Hills and watched and listened okay. to the whole thing. Did you have to put on a nice outfit for it or anything? No, no, no. We, we we listened to it on the car radio. Okay. And watched it from the hills. Do you remember how your parents felt? Were they like, finally? <laughs> That's the voice of the past. <laughs> finally, we are free. <laughs> no, actually, I don't. Okay. I just remember that because my father's a living historian, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens, he takes, you know, in. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just the kind of family it is. Mm -hmm. It's all significant. Right. I don't know whether they agreed or disagreed. I don't really remember. Really? A lot of people didn't think we were ready for it. How did, um, how did going from 1999 to 2000 impact you? Were you concerned that that was another world end? Yeah, I did think yeah. so. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I did too. Yeah, no, why as young as I was, I why still thought, I definitely what thought is going to happen? Yeah, sure. I went to Times Square and I thought, this is... This is going to be bad. Yeah. This is going to be bad. Times well, I went to a wonderful party mm -hmm. at this villa, Roaring Pavilion in St. Anne on mm -hmm. the North Coast mm -hmm. with the most gorgeous moon, sea, 
moonlight, swimming pool, champagne. Everything was happening. And this was going to be your end. And it was going to be the end, and I didn't really care. <laughs> You're like, this at is how point, it ends, guys. Yes. This is how it ends. And at that point, I was like, um, I had just come back. I made it to that party coming back from Costa Rica, mm-hmm. where I'd been for a month, stuck in the rain. Like, I couldn't get back because the weather no was bad. The bridges were washed away. The rivers overflowed. The boats couldn't run. I was running on the banana boats. What? And I just made it back. Wait, you were not a, a flight attendant anymore? No, 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 no. You were just vacationing? No, 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 no. Why I were you in Costa Rica? Well, Costa Rica's another chapter. Oh! <laughs> so Costa Rica called you and you were there. Costa Rica called me and, and I Costa Rica there. didn't let you go right. until then. I just made it back for the... Uh, for the new year. For the new year. Just. What? Just. Just, just because all the ships before had been um, pushed back in the sea and all the bridges were gone and everything. Right. I don't know how I made it out. I was in the southern part of Costa Rica on the Caribbean side. Oh, nice. And to get back to Limon, we had to cross maybe seven different rivers. Whoa. And all of them had washed their bridges out and we were kind of marooned down at the end of the road there on the, near Panama. Were you with a big group? Hell no. <laughs> by myself. You what had are you talking an about? oar. It was you and one oar. It was me. <laughs> really? It's always just me. I mean, it's me. No. Wow. I've done, you know. Huh? So then what does this NFT Well, the NFT is a completely mean? new um, dimension, which yeah. I was being introduced and led into because I was selected, literally right. selected out of everyone to, to begin this. And it's not easy. Right, right. I'm going to say it's not easy, and the reason it's not easy, because it could be easy, mm-hmm. but we don't really have access to the cryptocurrency here. Right. That's a big problem, because I tried hard with my two Visa cards mm. and my two U.S. accounts mm-hmm. to just put $450 somewhere mm-hmm. so that I could mint these pieces, pay the gas price, and just get it going. Mm-hmm. And nothing that I tried worked. You had to reroute through Cayman or somewhere no, else? nothing no? like that. Okay. You, you just don't get anywhere because BOJ is not ready for this. And I got really, I who am not really for banking or for financial whatever because what do I mean? Hashtag escapism. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I was trying to force myself into a space where they wouldn't let me go. Mm-hmm. And then I got rebellious about it. Because when I called up my bank and said, what the heck is the problem why I can't join Coinbase or buy Ethereum or whatever, right? What, what is the freaking problem if I have the money and I have the card? Mm-hmm. Why am I having a problem? What is my nationality? And, they, and she basically just, the lady I spoke to just basically told me straight up. I have people calling every day asking the same question and I have no answer to give you because they give us no brief as to what to say. They just don't know. They don't know what to say, so we don't have anything to tell you. So your national identity restricts you from yeah. an entire we metaverse. We are not given access to yeah. this stuff by our own banking system. Right, right. Not by the, the, the metaverse right. or the cryptoverse. Right. By our own systems. And in the end, my 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 agent, mm-hmm. Carrie Drop, Joan, had to do it from Italy on her own platform. That was the wow. only way we could we could put these NFTs out there. Huh. Which means that it's just not available to everyone. Yeah. Even if you have the dollars. And of course you need dollars to right. buy the currency. So it's not a it's uh, not that it's expensive, but it's not easy. Thank you for engaging.
engaging with me on this two-part journey with iNancy, please check out the NFT. The information is in the summary for this episode. And stay tuned because that memoir is coming to you soon and you know you want to read every last word. Thank you so much to my guest, iNancy. Love you so much. And thank you for listening. I am your host, The Rhythm Writer, and this is For Posterity.